Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, welcome back, everybody. It's 1233 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer with you in Oilers Now, where guests receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Follow the sizzle to Alberta's own Roos Chris Steakhouse, 9990 Jasper Avenue. Tell Brendan, Maggie, Taylor, and the staff at Roos Chris at Oilers Now sent you. We bring aboard our headliner day, Louis DeBrus for Touchback Safety. Your safety is their goal. Discover your safety training solutions at touchbacksafety.com. And uh, the Edmonton Oilers coming off a uh, unique 6-3 victory. Again, they, pro- they didn't deserve to win 6-3, but they did. Uh, by the way, our text messaging system is currently down. So uh, if you have sent which means if you sent them, they will get in. It's just we can't access them yet at this stage. We bring aboard Louis DeBras from NHL Hockey and Rogers. Hello, Louis. How are you? Hey, Bob. How are you doing today? Oh, not bad. How are you, man? Doing good? Doing pretty good. Yeah. That was an interesting one last night. I heard your uh, intro coming in, and, yeah, it was a game in which, you know, Miko Koskinen once again goes between the pipes and has a terrific night, which, you know, is so important for him with the way that he uh, – you know, had some struggles down the stretch last year, was trying to find his game again, worked real hard this summer. So nice to see him have a, a third good start for the Oilers. The three games that he's played, they've won all three and have both goalies playing well for that matter. But uh, if it wasn't for him, it could have been a much different story. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, we're seven games into the season, Louis. The Oilers have a 6-1 and one record. And I would say that they've got seven quality starts so far. I know that... Uh, uh, look, the LA Kings got five past Mike Smith, and two of those were on goaltender puck handling sort of issues. But the mm-hmm. fact of the matter is he battled hard in that game and made one more save than uh, Jonathan Quick. I, I, I guess where I'm going here is people had a lot of concerns about goaltending in the offseason, and part of the reason why Edmonton's 6-1 and one is because of the goaltending. Absolutely. And, you know, you, you look over the course of the history of this league with, with teams that have had great goaltenders in the past, they don't, they don't apologize for it. You know, sorry, but if you have a great goaltender and you have, you're getting great goaltending, you just accept it. You know, listen, that doesn't mean you're not going to be disappointed and want to change aspects of your game and try and improve in, in areas that you're struggling in. But 
don't apologize for the guys getting between the pipes and doing what they're supposed to do at a very high level and playing well. But both goaltenders, Mike Smith, Miko Koskinen this year, has been the least of the Oilers' worries, that is for sure. I mean, coming into the season, there was a question mark. Mike Smith came over from the Flames. Miko Koskinen got off to a terrific start last year, took over the number one position, and then started to falter, I think, due to the schedule in the first full year in North America playing under that heavy workload. Um, but both of them have come in this year. They seem to have really developed a nice chemistry and a friendship. And you know what? To have both guys playing the way they're playing, that's the absolute optimal situation for Dave Tippett to be in right now. He can trust and believe in either guy he's going to put between the pipes. But, uh, yeah, I agree. That, that's been the, the number one reason why they're having the, the start they're having. But, listen, they've been able to also outscore some of their mistakes and some of their problems, which is also – um, something you don't apologize for. If you have the skill set that the Oilers have and you have the top players that they have and the best player in the game, then uh, utilize it, and they have. The Edmonton Oilers, Louie, are at 45.5% on the power play. Likely a non-sustainable number. Uh, they're also, their penalty killing dropped last night to 88.5%. They spent too much time, obviously, uh, shorthanded, especially as that game you know, went on. But uh, it's, spe- it's funny you say that. I, I, that's something I wouldn't mind touching on a little bit because that, to me, is is maybe the number one issue right now with them. Um, the Chicago game, some undisciplined penalties, and it carried over into the game versus the Flyers. And it wasn't so much you say, okay, well, penalties are penalties. But what it does is it it, it just allows the opposition's best players to get into the flow of the game, and it builds momentum for that side. And sometimes, as we saw last night for about 35 minutes, it was difficult for Edmonton to regain that. And then Connor McDavid broke through with that terrific goal on the alley-oop. And uh, um, that kind of changed the whole dimension of the game because it's a two-goal game now. But uh, up until that point, they were hanging on by a thread. Koskinen was fantastic. They were blocking shots. Um, But then penalties late in the game also got them into trouble. There was two or three big blocks that were unnecessary. It yes. didn't have to happen if you don't take those penalties. You've got a 6-1 game going, and then now guys are diving in front of shots. And, you know, I saw Chris Russell take one. I, I can't remember who the other one was on the other side, but they took a hard shot as well. Um, that's how guys get hurt. But I, I think the one thing I took out of Dave Tippett's press conference after the game was that he said, we're going to use this as a learning tool. And I think that's just a real good lesson for everybody. We didn't have to make this as difficult on ourselves as it needed to be, as it was. So let's make sure the next time we just do a better job at being disciplined and close a game out. And uh, I, th- I think they'll learn from that. McDavid, after the game, kind of was, although he had five points on the night, I think he kind of understood more than anybody that probably was a game that could have gone way different if other things would have happened and Costco wasn't standing on his head. Um, that, that's that's good to learn those lessons early in the season. We're joined by Louis DeBras from NHL Hockey and Rogers. Again, he's our headliner today for touchback safety. Six and one start. So they've got the good special teams going. You talked about the PK. I mean, the power play. What a heater they're on right now. Yeah, you know, and it's it's great to see. The, the power play was good last year, and you know, I had a, a long discussion with Glenn Galtzen at the start of this year again. And with the personnel they have, listen, you look at when they throw those five guys over the boards. Um, they're dangerous. You know, every single guy can shoot it. Every single guy has hockey IQ. They move. 
um, they adapt. That's the most important thing. He wants them to have a shooting mentality. Obviously, you saw the goal by Nugent Hopkins. It was no wasted time on a stick off the stick. That's the mentality they want to have with all of their players. But then it's converging to the net. And they were just super hungry on the dry side of the goal. After Nugent Hopkins shot, you know, was it in or wasn't it in? I thought they were actually going to challenge for goal interference. I, I screwed up on that call. I didn't know what they were looking so at. So did we. So did but, we. But you know, but you know what? What I liked about the whole sequence, Bob, was the fact that they were just relentless on that puck. They just absolutely gang-tackled the crease and jammed that puck loose and found a way to jam it into the net. Those are hungry, dirty goals that your power play has to excel at. You have to outwork the opposition when you have one one extra or two extra guys on the ice on the power play, and uh, they're they're getting that done by far. But the skill set they have, with that work ethic is combined to be a deadly uh, power play for this year. All right, so the good news is they're getting the goaltending. Uh, they're, they're getting the uh, productivity on special teams from the power play. They're doing a great job on PK. And McDavid and Drysaddle right now are, uh, well, I think, I, I what was the stat today? Maybe Brendan can pull it up uh, going back. I don't know, 20, 25 years. I don't know how many times we've had two players with 15-plus points on the same team in the first seven games there. I mean, those guys, and, and a lot of it is the power play, but they're producing at an elite level, Louie. <laughs> they did it last year, too. Um, I don't know. I mean, you and I have talked about this this year as well. There just seems to be a different feel with those two guys. And I think for the most part, the team, you know, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, James Neal's come in, Mike Smith comes in, but Clefbaum, Nurse, I mean, Larson, guys that have been around for a bit, Chris Russell, there just seems to be uh, a little more bite to their mentality, if that makes any sense. They just they just seem to really have a stronger desire to succeed. I think they're sick and tired of being on the outside looking in, and uh, they're ready to take that next step. It's a work in progress, but uh, when you have, as you mentioned, you know, two of the best players in the game, the best player in the game, in my opinion, in the world right now. And, you know, Leon Dreisaitl is proving to everybody that 50-goal, 100-point season last year was no fluke. He's come in, he looks lighter, he looks leaner, he looks faster, looks like he has more jump in his stride, and he's using it to his advantage. He's, he's just really hungry out there, it looks like. And, you know, when your top players are playing that way, it's easy for everybody else to follow. Louis, one more question about the here and now from the Oilers, and we're going to uh, talk about something a little bit different, something a little bit closer to your personal experience. But uh, just uh, so, I mean, again, the team's getting the production from their top end guys. The power play's been good. The goalies are stopping the puck. Special teams have been good. That said, they're getting absolutely housed right now. You know, they're getting their bottom six forwards. Several of them are minuses, Louie. They're spending too much time in their own zone. I mean, I, like, I look at a guy like Patrick Russell, and I'd say he's maybe exceeded the expectations we have from him in the preseason. Uh, Sheehan, you know, Sheehan's logging a lot of hard minutes. I don't worry so much about him because he is doing a good job killing penalties. But do they need some more juice coming out of their guys in the bottom six, do you think? They do. And you know, it's, it's amazing because in stretches and for, for periods of time in each game that I've done this year, they've done an excellent job. They've actually, in my opinion, um, against the Islanders, they were fantastic. Stretches against Jersey, they were great. Um, you know, even last night, there were stretches. He started that line, you know, Kara Shahan and Russell, which he did on the road trip in Long Island and New Jersey as well. It just kind of set the tempo of the game. Um, early penalty, though, kind of sets all that back because it gets you out of your rhythm again. The key for the bottom six right now for me is being able to maintain that. 
And that's what's not happening right now. They'll, they'll come out and they'll, they'll have a great start. They'll have energy. They'll, possession will be down low. The first shift last night, the first shift last night was um, that line that I just mentioned. They went out there. They hemmed the top line of the Flyers in. Right away, McDavid's line comes out to follow it up. They put it into the offensive zone again. Clefbaum, who I thought maybe should have had an assist on that goal, gets down on the wall, smacks the puck stick, goes right to McDavid, dry sidle into the back of the net. That's how you follow up a shift to start a game. Now, the penalty, again, I think derailed that early in the game, and I think it allowed Philly to kind of get themselves into the game. In a back-to-back situation, they got their legs underneath them, and they really did put the pressure on. Um, but in saying that, for me, it's I know they're capable of playing the way that Dave Tippett wants them to play. It's a matter of being able to do it consistently throughout the game. And what that really entails for me is puck management and game management, understanding where you are in the game, what the score is, not trying to make high-risk plays at bad times, and just being better with your decisions on the ice with the puck, making sure that you're not giving it back, making sure you're making the opposition defend. That's what the bottom six wants to do. They want to kill time, try and spend as much time as they can in the offensive zone, and uh, chip in every once in a while with a goal. Hasn't happened that way for the bottom six, but I, I think they're working in the, along the, the right lines to do it. It's just been a work in progress where you see some great shifts from them and then some not-so-great shifts, and they're going to have to balance that out where they're a little more consistent with that play. All right, Lou Dog, uh, switching focus here. So that's the, that's the here and now. Uh, we found out, uh, and to be honest with you, I got tipped off a little bit earlier before, uh, but we found, the New York Rangers had a moment of silence for Ted Green, of course, who spent all those years with... Uh, the Glenn Sather, uh, in a very successful Oilers franchise, won seven cups total, uh, two as a player, five as an assistant coach uh, with the Edmonton Oilers organization. Uh, you have a lot of history with Ted Green. Uh, he was, if I'm not mistaken, was he not your first NHL head coach? Uh, in he our, was. Yeah. Uh, you know, he passed away uh, last week. Uh, when I when I mention the name Ted Green, what's the first thing you think of? It's hard for me not to smile. You know, I, I smile, you know, because I, I remember my first meeting with Ted Green. I got traded from the Rangers to Edmonton, you know, got dressed for a morning skate. We were playing the Kings that night. And I went out there for a morning skate. And at the end of the skate, he came up to me, and his very first words to me were, number one, you're not playing tonight, so get a good skate in. And then he almost skated away, and he stopped, and he looked back at me, and I had really long hair at the time. And he just looked at me for about a five seconds and said, and we don't like long hair here. And then he just skated away. And I was like, okay, that's Mr. Green, my new coach. Sounds good. I went right to Kingsway Garden Mall, got my hair bean that day. Just got all the hair cut off. I came in the next day. He walked by me again, looked over, and came over and said, now that's more like it. He was an old school guy. He had a heart of gold, but he was a fierce competitor. And, you know, I respected him so much because – there were times that he would grab me by the back of the jersey and throw me over the boards to go out and, you know, fight a guy or, you know, get something going physically. And I never had a problem ever with Ted Green doing that because I knew that if he could himself, he would do it in a second. He, he, would, he would have loved to jump over the boards and go and engage. And because of that, I never had a problem with guys that I knew we're going to do. It. I did have a problem with guys that never did it. I had a problem with guys doing that that never ever played a physical game in their life. Yeah. But with a guy like Ted Green, I always had the utmost respect for him because I know for a fact, 100, percent that if you said Ted, if you want to go and favor me on this shift right now, 
at 50 years old, which I think he was at that time when he coached me, he would have gladly jumped over the boards. It would have, wouldn't have been a problem for him. Um, he was the hardest coach ever on me, you know, as far as when I got myself in trouble and I got myself in a lot of trouble back then. <laughs> and uh, he wasn't afraid to take it out on me in some, some pretty pretty hard ways. But he was also one of, one of the best coaches for me as far as trying to boost me up and make me a better player. And that's why I always will have a ton of respect for him. And, um, yeah, he'll, he'll, be, he'll be greatly missed. He was just a real character and an amazing guy. But uh, I have I have a limitless amount of greeny stories because every single day was an adventure with him because he just uh, you know he had a way about him he just he really did another one that you know for me that was just hilarious when when he had his knee surgeries you know pretty much had his kneecaps taken right off and he came that night on crutches all wrapped up with the ice and the bandages and he coached that night he refused not to coach I mean the guy was tough as nails he really was he was. Yeah. You know, so I don't know how you can't respect a guy like that when you walk into the room and you just see how passionate he is and you hear all the stories about him I did when he was a player and then you watch him and just the way he conducted himself. Luke Richardson and I were one day were doing cleans, you know, power cleans in the in the weight right. room. You know, pretty fairly heavy. I don't it was just right around I think it was right around two oh five or one eighty five, two oh five maybe, just like kinda of getting starting to get going. And uh he walks by, he looks over, he pushes us out of the way. He grabs the bar, no technique or nothing, kind of forces it up to his shoulders and then presses it over his head and gives like a little roar, puts it back down on the bar. Luke and I are like both like making sure the weight doesn't fall. And uh, he just walks away, turns around again and goes, I knew I could do it. And that was the mentality that he had. He just always believed that he could get the job done. And um, that's why he was great. So, and I don't know how much you want to reveal here, Lou, but I mean, by your own admission, you were a little rough around the edges. And frankly, there were a lot of us, maybe not good enough to have played in the National Hockey League, that did stupid things that they look back at and go, man, was I a, an immature, dumb kid And uh, at times, but I had some fun. Uh, now, Ted Green was a tough guy. He was a hard nose. You know, he fought John Ferguson. He had that ugly st- stick swinging incident with Wayne Mackey. Uh, he played, he, he, you know, he was one of LeBrun's henchmen back in the day. Uh, he was an enforcer. And I get the sense when you've told me about some of the stories with him in the past that I think he probably identified a bit with you because you had a difficult, uh, you know, a difficult job. You were an enforcer too. Um, and so do you think that he had, it was almost like a, a fatherly sort of son, like and not to disrespect his relationship with his own sons, Chris and Mark, but you know, did, did, did you feel that a bit at times, especially when it came to maybe setting you straight, if you maybe were caught misbehaving or something? hundred percent. I wouldn't say it any different. That's exactly what I felt. I really did feel like he was a, a father figure. You know, I was a young guy, I was 20 years old. And like I said, I was, I was known to get myself in trouble from time to time so greeny had to uh had to put me in my place a few times but uh but you know what it's amazing um some of the things that he did he uh you know just he would send a message in a real harsh way you know when i look back at it i mean i i i chuckle about it now because i deserved it you know i i I put myself and i brought that on myself yeah but then he was the same type of guy that would reward you and he put me up on line with todd ellick and peter clean wanted me to protect those guys played me more, felt that I could be a better player. But there's no question that he did relate to me. There's no question he did that role. He understood the tough guy role, and he tried to help me along. I remember he came in one day, and it was before the game, and he pulled me in the room. And he goes, 
listen. He goes, you know, you hit Dave Taylor last time we were in L.A., and they didn't like it very much. He goes, so tonight they're dressing Marty McSorley on the right side. He goes, I'm dressing you on the left to start the game. And he just kind of stared at me, and he goes, you know what I'm saying, right? And I said, 100%, no problem. So I said, you know what? I went out there, cross-checked Marty off the face-off, and we went. You know, we, we fought right away. But you know what? I think that he, he probably had some reservations about, you know, asking someone to do that. But at the same time, from my perspective, I never wanted to do it more for a coach in my life. He was the one guy that I always respected whenever he would ask me or whenever I felt that he wanted that because, like I said, he was an ultra competitor and he knew that's the way it had to be. That was the way the game was. So, yeah, you know, some people might think that I had a love-hate relationship with him, but uh, I've had I've never had anything but good things to say about Greeny because I always knew that everything that he did, even the hard things that he did, were to try and make me a better person and a better player, so I always respected him. All right, I think that's as eloquently as uh, anybody has spoken about Ted Green at this point. Louis, great stuff. Thank you for taking time. Where are you? So I'm just thinking, uh, where, where, where are you going tomorrow? I'm doing the game tomorrow night. Okay. Place. And then, sat- then Saturday, where are you at? I'm not doing a Saturday game this week. I'm actually doing the Winnipeg Edmonton game. Oh. Hometown hockey on Sunday, so we'll be going to Winnipeg. Hey, Louie. on you. Hey, the credit card's lined up. You know what I'm saying, brother? <laughs> we need Hugh Porter from Digitex to fly in just to Winnipeg to take us for dinner. How does that sound? <laughs> hey, that'd be good. All right. Nothing awesome. wrong with that. Awesome stuff, Lou Dog. Thanks, man. All right. Take care, Bob. You bet. That's former Edmonton Oiler, regular Thursday contributor for our friends at Touchback Safety. Your safety is their goal. Discover your uh, your safety training solutions at touchbacksafety.com. Louis DeBrus from NHL Hockey and Rogers, 1253 at Edmonton. When we come back, should we do it? By the way, there are tickets available for tomorrow night's game against the Detroit Red Wings. Should we do a contest to give away some tickets? What do you think? Do we have? I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg. This is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Time to do it. Can I get it done? What do you think? I think they'd like that. Let's do it. All right. We're going to give away a set for tomorrow night's game against the Red Wings. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It's 12.55 in Edmonton. You can follow Oilers Now with a great road trip coming up to Chicago to see the Oilers play the Blackhawks in the second half of the season. This package includes lower bowl game tickets plus tours of Wrigley and Soldier Field. For the Oilers Now roadie to Chicago, call New West Travel at 780-432-7446 or online at newwesttravel.com. All right. 
up for grabs. A pair of tickets to tomorrow night's game, Edmonton and Detroit. Reminder, there are still some tickets available for that game between the Oilers and the Red Wings. Visit EdmontonOilers.com for more information. So, uh, you can reach us on a River Creek Resort Casino hotline right now. 780-496-0063. It's not that hard of a question. When the Edmonton Oilers traded Jimmy Carson to the Detroit Red Wings, name the three forwards that were contributors on the 1990 Oilers Stanley Cup championship team that came back in that deal. Name the three forwards that Glenn Sather procured out of Detroit in the Jimmy Carson trade. Again, the number 780-496-0063. Uh, the winner will receive a pair of tickets to tomorrow night's game where the Oilers uh, break out their alternate jerseys as part of alternate jersey Friday. The Edmonton Oilers and the Detroit Red Wings. I think this question is pretty easy, actually. Pretty easy. So here's what we'll do. We'll throw it off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. We'll tell you about who the winner is uh, at about uh, 1.20-ish today. Brian Burke for Canadian Power Pack when we come back in hour number two. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.